Today we are going to kick off Advent with one of the most selfless people I know, Pastor Noah Berrigan. Pastor Noah is a servant. He has a, the heart of Jesus. He loves lifting other people up. And I want to tell you something. He's one of the most genuinely godly men I've ever met in my whole life. So Crossroads, you're about to be blessed in a big way. Right now, join me in welcoming Pastor Noah. Good morning, Crossroads. It's so incredible to worship with you guys this morning. Man, I see so many brand new faces. Again, if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you, like Pastor Chuck said, my name is Noah, and I serve as one of the pastors here on our church. If you're watching online, it's a, an honor to meet you. So like he said, today we launch a brand new series uh, called Advent. Uh, the word, amen, someone's excited in the back over there. Um, the word Advent actually comes from the Latin word Adventus. It means the arrival of a notable person place or thing or event. And, and I think it's remarkable because Advent, obviously, we celebrate the arrival of the one that matters most. It was Jesus himself. It's this anticipation that something's about to happen. Like some of you guys remember going on your first date or going to that job interview. You're, there's so much anticipation leading into it. I don't know about you guys, but it seems to me like Christmas comes faster and faster every single year. I mean, there's so much anticipation leading up to it, and um, it doesn't help that a lot of you guys actually start listening to Christmas music in November. Uh, in fact, my wife and I actually started decorating on November 1st. Yeah, we're ahead of the game. We're overachievers, and uh, it's really neat. But um, if you guys are parents, I got a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and a newborn, but my five-year-old and my two-year-old are at that stage right now where everything's new and exciting, and uh, my wife has actually gotten them excited since, the, since their birthday's in October about the Christmas season, and uh, they're, they're, uh, it's, it's been remarkable. There's nothing I can do to slow them down. I've kind of just leaned into it. My my daughter, she circled just about every single toy on the Target ad, and that's, she wants it all, you know, and she goes, I want this one, I like that one, and, and it's so neat being able to see it through their eyes, and, uh, and there's nothing I can do to slow them down. How many of you guys actually love Christmas? It's incredible, oh, everyone in here, it's incredible. For me, it's a double whammy because it's also my birthday month. All of you December babies know exactly what happens when you're a Christmas baby, right? Someone gives you a gift and you hear these words. They say, this is for your birthday and for Christmas. Yeah, we got the uh, bad end of that one. But um, I've always loved Christmas growing up. I mean, my family's big. We're also Hispanic. You know what that, what that means, right? There's tamales and pozole. There's a lot of preparation, lots of family, lots of celebrating. By the way... If you're a foodie in here, Pastor Chuck just talked about the Advent Journal. Uh, not only do you get to feed yourself spiritually, but in the back of the journal, there's a lot of recipes where you could actually just pig out and uh, do uh, some recipes of your own. So uh, make sure you take advantage of that. But uh, my wife and I, we're absolutely foodies. But I am... Um, uh, being, being brought up in a, in a Hispanic home, that also meant that we celebrate Christmas on December 24th. We would stay up all night and wait until midnight before we were able to open any type of gift. And um, it was awesome, you know. And, um, but for me, the most anticipated Christmas happened right after my 15th birthday. You know what happens after you turn 15, right? You get your driver's permit. 
And I was kind of anticipating that my mom and dad would get me something incredible. I remember that day we had stayed up all night, ate a bunch of good food, and we're all exhausted. And I'm watching all of my siblings open up gifts, and, and they're all getting hooked up. And finally, I get my gift, and I get slippers and PJs. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. And I'm looking around, and still, everyone's opening gifts. And before you know it, there's no more left. And I realized that PJs... And slippers were the only thing I got. Some of you guys only open that on Christmas Eve, right? And you guys wait for Christmas Day. But my attitude was awful. I was so disappointed. And um, and, I mean, I was wearing it on my face. I'm a feeler, so everything I feel kind of like I I wear my emotion, you know? And, um, And then I hear my dad say, hold on, hold on, we're not done. And he walks from behind the Christmas tree. He says, there's one more gift. And he brings out this big, humongous box. And he goes, Noah, this one's for you. And I'm like, what is it? So excited. So I open it up and I'm like, this has got to be a joke. Because inside of this box, I'm like, there's, there's newspaper. You know, I, I, I see like this baseball bat and I'm just like digging, digging through it. No joke. I'm not joking. There's like bras, you know, and, um, and, and, and rocks <laughs> and there's high heels in it. And I'm like, what is going on? And I almost disregarded this box because I kicked it. And out came a little tiny ugly box that was wrapped in so much tape that I could not open it. And, um, and I almost disregarded it. So I open it up and inside of this little box are the keys to my very first car. And I'm like over the moon, just full of excitement, full of emotion. But the one thing that, that looked so insignificant had in it everything I've ever wanted. And here's the thing, church, I believe that a lot of times when it comes to the Christmas season, it could be a lot like this little box because we could disregard the greatest gift that ever came to humanity as something that's so insignificant and doesn't matter. And, uh, and I think that it's, it's obvious that we're surrounded with so many things that demand our attention. They sparkle, they make great promises, but they don't deliver Uh, I mean, there's gifts we have to buy, money we have to spend, gifts that won't come till next spring because they're kind of sitting on the harbor and no one can get to them. You guys know what I'm talking about. I mean, we all know the Christmas story. We've set up the nativity scene with the holy family, the cow and the donkey and the shepherds, and it's become way too familiar. And sometimes it could be disregarded as insignificant, and many people wonder if it even matters. Is it good? Does it apply? Does it make a difference? And I know that for many of us, this season could bring up a lot of different emotions. I think emotionally, things tend to get highlighted with all the different family dynamics, right? You guys are going to different homes, celebrating with different parts of your family. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with a season of loneliness. That could get highlighted. Another season that you're reminded of your singleness, Hurting could get magnified. I mean, some of us won't be seeing loved ones this Christmas season. Or maybe you're going to have an empty spot at the table and you're just reminded of that person that you love so dearly. Uh, Some of y'all have uh, bank accounts that are empty. But it's so easy for us to lose sight of what really matters. And like that little box, you could walk right past the thing that seems so insignificant but could have in it everything you've ever wanted. And if we're not careful, we could lose sight of it all. So today, what I wanna do is I wanna really talk about what matters most because the advent of Jesus is the greatest moment, 
not only in history, but in all eternity. So today we're gonna look at the Christmas story through a different lens. Uh, the Apostle John gives us a unique perspective on what the Christmas story is all about. I mean, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all write about it. They tell us what happens, but the Apostle John tells us why it matters. So let me give you some background on who John is. If you're new to the church, uh, John was the apostle. He writes in his letter, the apostle who Jesus loved. Uh, if anyone knew the Christmas story, it was this guy. He grew up to be an old man. He writes about 60 years after the resurrection. He has all these memories of the life of Jesus. He probably thought to himself, maybe I should write this down. And the one reason he wrote, he tells us at the end of his, of his letter. In John chapter 20, verse 31, he says this, These things have been written so that what you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing in him, you may have life in his name. This is the whole reason I'm writing. I want you to understand that something happened. The anticipation, what you've been looking for, it all happened in Jesus, and he tells us why it matters. So today what I wanna do with the rest of our time together, I wanna give you four ideas on why Christmas is so significant and why it matters. Uh, the first one is this, Christmas is when? God came near. Uh, by the way, again, if you're brand new or maybe you've been coming to church for a while, I want you to know something. God wants to be near to you. He sees you. He knows you by name. And his desire is that you and I would walk in relationship and closeness to him. Because when Christmas came, when the Advent came, he came near to us. Uh, in fact, John starts his letter saying this in John chapter 1, verse 1. He says, in the beginning... The word already existed, the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, some of us might look at this passage and say, what, is that all, what does all that mean? Okay, the word existed and it was God. What does this mean? But John, he was so intentional with his words. Now, if, if you were a Hebrew back then, your mind would have gone back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created. So John starts the Christmas story with the creation story. He connects the beginning of the Bible and the creation of the world with Jesus. And if you were a Hebrew back then, you understood that, okay, in the beginning God created. Uh, he says, no, 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 in the beginning was the word. The Hebrews believed there was power in the word. Uh, the Greek word for word here is logos. Uh, for the Hebrew, um, it was, uh, they, they understood that there was power in that and that God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it because from the very beginning of creation, the world was empty. It was void. It was formless. There was chaos. But God brought order into chaos. By the way, uh, uh, God knows exactly what to do with our lives uh, when our lives are for formless, empty, and dark because he brings order out of the chaos that you and I are going through. He brings good out of the bad. He brings love to a time when you're feeling overlooked and not seen. If your marriage is on the rocks, he knows how to bring order to that. If your kids are out of order, come on, I got toddlers. You know exactly what I'm talking about. He knows how to bring order to that. When life is confusing, and you feel like you don't have purpose, God knows exactly what to do with the chaos because he is a God of order and he brings order to our lives. So the Hebrews would have understood that there's power in the word. Now, for the Greeks, for the non-Jews, uh, they, they had a different understanding of the word logos. It was, uh, to them, it was the foundation of everything on earth. So John's opening statement would have been so transformational. He's saying, let me introduce you to the one who holds all the cards, uh, that holds everything together, what you've been searching for all along. Not philosophy, but a person, Jesus Christ. And in verse two, it says, 
It says he, Jesus, existed in the beginning with God. In other words, he's eternal. He's always existed. Uh, Verse three, God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. This Jesus that we're looking at, the Logos, he was creator as well. And not only that, as powerful as that that is, uh, look at what he says in verse 14. That Logos that we're talking about and the word, the Logos, it became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So yes, Jesus is about, I mean, Christmas is about a baby in a manger, but it's so much more profound than that. It was a creator who entered into humanity, who entered into our chaos, who brought order out of disorder. The, the word became flesh. John is saying that very Christmas story was the fact that God became human. He put on human skin. It says he dwelt among us. This word right here in the, in the Greek is so profound. And, and um, pardon me if I nerd out for a little bit, but it's the word tabernacled. Okay, uh, it's, it, it means that he camped out. Uh, in the Old Testament, think about all the anticipation that came for a day of deliverance. Uh, in the Old Testament, the word tabernacle, I mean the, the place, the tabernacle, it represented the place of the law, the source of revelation, the place of sacrifice, the place for forgiveness and the focus of worship. It was the dwelling place of God. So what John was saying, all of that that you've known and believed is now found in Jesus. Why? Because he became human and he moved into our world. And I believe wholeheartedly, church, this is where the, um, where the miracle of Christmas begins. We see that Jesus is the very word of God that took on human flesh where God came near and revealed himself to us so that we could know him personally. Why does Christmas matter? Number two, it's when God revealed himself. If, if you wanna know what God's like, John's saying, look no further than right here. I'm telling you that the God of the universe became one of us, and in um, and, uh, and, and verse 14 it says, yes, the word became flesh, and we saw His glory. John said, look no further than Jesus. He became human. And if you want to know exactly what God is like, you have to look at the person of Jesus because we, he put on human skin. Think about this. When you look at words, what do they do? They reveal your heart and your mind. The Bible says that out of the abundance of your heart, the, the mouth does what? It speaks. Uh, Jesus talks about it throughout scripture. Uh, we see that, that, that words reveal your heart and mind. So John is saying that in Jesus, you get to see the heart and mind of God revealed. He became human. I don't know about you. I hope that never loses its power in your life and my life because that's the greatest miracle of history. Uh, in verse 18, he says, he says, no one, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who what? Who is himself God is near to the father's heart. He has revealed God to us. So what does this mean? It means that the God of the universe is personal and I think if you, if, you, if you pay attention to a lot of the emotion and a lot of the feelings that we feel during Christmas, doesn't it feel personal? Family, people coming together, it's so personal. I believe wholeheartedly that's why it feels the way that it does. But that's the message of Christmas. It's the gospel that Jesus became human. And some of you guys are looking at me and I see it. Okay, so, so what does this all mean? How does this apply? Is it significant? What does it mean? This is so profound, church. It means that now you and I could have life, and we could have it to the fullest. In verse four, John says, the word, Jesus, 
He gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. In other words, some people will not comprehend that, but Jesus came to give us life. And he also came to bring light. Think about this, church. Doesn't light produce life? Things need light to grow. Um, And when Jesus came, what John is saying is that he brought the life that God wants you and I to experience. In John chapter 10, it says the thief comes to to, to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it in abundantly. Now, the opposite is true. When you think of darkness, what does that do? It causes things to die. Now, in the Bible, darkness is normally a metaphor for sin. It means separation from God. Uh, Think about it. Darkness magnifies fear at night. And I don't know, some of you guys still probably do this, but when you were younger, you would look at the closet and things would take on form and it would be like, it would give you the eebie-jeebies and you'd have to go close the closet door. Y'all still do that, don't lie, right? Or under, underneath your bed, it's, it's a lot scarier. For all of you parents, you guys know this. When you're trying to put your toddler down and you're walking in the dark and all of a sudden you step on one of their toys and you're trying to keep them asleep and you're like, you're trying not to scream out loud and you're like, ow, that hurt. You step on things and, and you trip over things in darkness. Um, my daughter and I, we have a, well, my whole family has this, but my daughter and I, we have a routine uh, where uh, every night we'll sit down, we'll read our story, and then we'll pray together, and then we'll turn off the lights, and it never fails. She says, Dad, can I turn on my, my diffuser? My wife's all into essential oils. She has like a diffuser in every room, every house, my office, everywhere. Um, but every time she turns it on, uh, the light turns on, and it gives her so much security. And I'll be laying there, and all of a sudden her little hand just comes and reaches over to my face to make sure I'm still there. You know, and she finds so much security with the light on and her daddy there. Now, I will never leave her or abandon her. Uh, What God wants you and I to have is that same type of security. When things are chaotic, when things don't make sense, that you could reach out to your papa and he's there. Why? Because he's personal and he's close and he came to give you life. But unfortunately, the Bible says that a lot of people won't understand that. They've never met their heavenly father as one who is close, but one who is ready to judge. Don't get me wrong, he'll do that one day, but God desires to be close to us right now. Uh, verse, uh, John chapter three, verse 19 says, this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Um, I spend a lot of time with my family. One of the things that uh, I try to do is I try to invite them into our experience so that they can learn and, and be a part of everything we're doing. And my daughter, Selah, spends a lot of time in the kitchen with us. So um, a while ago, we're sitting at our, um, at our island and we're making cookies and, and we're having a blast together. And she has like her little blanket over her and she keeps putting the blanket over her head. And she doesn't know that I'm standing right there. She keeps grabbing the cookie dough. She'll put it like, put the blanket over her head and she'll start eating it and then she pops back out and she'll grab some more and then she puts it over and she's eating it. I'm like, I'm right here. <laughs> what she's showcasing is that she doesn't want me to see her because she feels like she's doing something wrong. Isn't it true, church, that a lot of us hide too? In Genesis chapter one, from the very beginning of time, Adam and Eve hid. First time that they sinned, they were separated from God, so they hid. Sin always causes us to forfeit relationship with God, but when we hide, we also forfeit that relationship. Why? Because we're afraid that we're gonna be found out. And um, 
Verse 21, it says, as a believer, our lives shouldn't be that way. He who practices, that's key, we practice, right? Because we fail and we're not perfect. The truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. We come to the light because we want to glorify our heavenly father. And we want relationship with our heavenly father. I want you to think about this. The religious leaders of uh, Jesus' day, they rejected him. Why? Because they thought that he interfered with the way that they, want, that, 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 they, uh, that they wanted to live. They were hiding. Why? Because they didn't want to change. And I think that for many people today, that's exactly why they reject him, because they think that he interferes with the way that they want to live. Now, don't get me wrong. He causes transformation. You do have to uh, make some changes, but it's the best life you could ever live. Why? Because he's promised to give you a life and give it to you in abundance. And I think that because people reject that, you see that there's so many people that are hurt, that are struggling. People today, wouldn't you agree, they can't distinguish lies from, from truth any longer? They're so confused. And um, if you think about this, when you're walking in darkness, you cannot see where you're going and you always end up getting hurt. And I think for a lot of us, we like to pretend or we feel like we could get through it, but you know what? We don't. It always ends up hurting you. And Jesus says, I don't want you to be hurt. I want you to experience life and experience it in abundance. But you keep walking in darkness. You keep hiding that sin. You keep rejecting me and living your own way. And it's always gonna end up making you get hurt. He says, but those that practice the truth, they come to the light so that their deeds could be wrought in God or manifested in God. And when you think about the light, what does it do? It illuminates a path. It gives you direction. You could see clearly now. And John is saying that Jesus would be the truth to open our eyes so that we could see the way to go. In fact, the Bible says that the word is what? A light unto our feet. It, it gives us direction. It guides us. If you're brand new to all this church, I want you to see this, that God wants to guide you. He wants to be a part of every detail of your life so that you don't end up getting hurt. So much bigger than religion. Amen. We can clap for that. Um, and he came to be the hope that we need. Uh, look at what he says in John chapter 8, verse 12. It says, then Jesus, said, uh, uh, Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not, will not, will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. I don't need to be a rocket scientist to know that light and darkness can't exist together. You know, God wants you and I to be separate, wants us to be a light, and we cannot walk in the darkness. It is impossible at least to stay there for too long he says, you will not walk in darkness. In fact, in Colossians 1.13, the apostle Paul says, he, Jesus, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. He wants you to be a part of who he is now and be different and have life. So what does that mean? Uh, point number three, it means that when Jesus came, God adopted us. He made us a part of his family. The moment that you receive Jesus uh, into your life, it says that God receives you into his family, and we know that to be the church. You are a part of something so much bigger than yourself now. You know what else that means, church? It means that he's your father and that you have a new identity. Because when you receive Jesus, it brings the biggest transformational change possible. Bring that verse back up. It says he gave you the right. In John 8, 31, uh, for he has rested, no, the next one, I'm so sorry. Um, you all read it from here. Uh, John 1, 12. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right 
to become children of God. This word right here for right means that you have authority, you have power, you have privilege because you're not one of his own. Uh, my, uh, my kids, they have friends over often, and um, I'm talking about my daughter a lot because I love her, and uh, if, it's, if it's what I'm trying to say, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? Speaks. I love my daughter. Okay, so she had her friends over, and they're playing in her room with all the toys, and my daughter has a younger brother who is uh, two years old, so he loves her and wants to be everywhere that she's at. So her friends are over, and guess what? Nehemiah's in her room, and she's all, he's all up in their business, and he's playing with them. And uh, one of my daughter's friends comes out and talks to my wife and says, um, Nehemiah is getting into everything, and he's like playing in the room, and he's getting in our way. And my daughter get, I mean, my, my wife looks her in the eyes and says, honey, Nehemiah lives here. <laughs> he could do whatever he wants. He has access to whatever he wants, okay? He can play. He can do what he needs to do. You just let him be, okay? Why? Because he's a part of the family church. Have you learned or understood your identity in Jesus as one of his children? I think that some of you guys in here today, you might have met him as judge, but never as father. He wants to adopt you into his family. He wants you to know that he wants to bring a life and give it to you in abundance. That's the God that we serve. The God of the Bible became human so that we could be a part of something so much bigger. And now you have identity, power, and authority, and no weapon formed against you will prevail because you got God on your side, and he is for you. And when you understand this, what does that mean? You, you know that your life matters. You know that you could have confidence. Why? Because he's for you and not against you. Amen? Man, what does this mean? You're a part of his family. Uh, many of you guys know that part of any healthy family, uh, there's, there's order. It means that you have new family values. It means that everyone has a responsibility now. Why? Because you're a part of God's family. I remember uh, before I was married, I lived with a bunch of young men, and I soon realized that these men thought, for some reason, that the dishes washed themselves, the, the house cleaned itself, and, and um, for two weeks straight, I found myself cleaning, cleaning up after them, doing the dishes, cleaning. I'm like, man, these restrooms don't clean themselves. So I had to call a family meeting. And I sat everyone down and said, hey, look, maybe I haven't been clear about what's expected in this home, but everyone has a role to play. Okay, the bathrooms don't clean themselves. The dishes don't wash themselves. And I need to make sure that everyone's pulling your, uh, their weight. And, um, and we had an agreement, not because I didn't like them, but because I loved them and I wanted there to be clarity. And I brought clarity. And our agreement was this. If you leave dishes on the sink, they're going to end up on your bed. Okay? And we, we held true to our word because you better believe it. I would grab the dishes and put a towel over their bed and place the dishes there and say, you forgot to wash your dishes. But no one could get mad. Why? Because we all had an agreement, and there was peace in the house, and we would just laugh about it. Uh, guys, the house of God is no different. God has given you a spiritual gift. He's called, to give, he's called you to contribute, not just consume. He's called for you to be a part of his family and edify one another and build each other up, because when you win, we win, and when we're united, uh, nothing's impossible with what could happen in the church. You're a part of his family. Hey, Amen. We could clap for that. Come on. Um, But don't miss my point. You have authority and power, and you have a place to belong here. God says, I want you to be a part of my family. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care the sins that you've committed. You now, if you receive me, you're able to be adopted into my family. I paid a high price for you. Why did he do it all? The last one is this. 
On Christmas, God demonstrated his love for us. The famous verse, the one that all of us uh, have memorized, hopefully, it's found under in and out cups, right? John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not, shall not perish but have eternal life. And this is where the Christmas miracle begins. When we receive Jesus, it says not only, not only are you saved, not only are you forgiven, but you are born again. You are bred new. The old has gone and the new has come. Verse 13 says of John chapter 1, they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. It means that you are converted. You are no longer the same person. Uh, I have a friend. Uh, many of you guys probably know this about me or you don't. Before I was in ministry, I was an electrician. I did that for about eight years. And I often get calls from friends. Hey, can you help me out? Uh, this particular friend had an electric car that he was plugging into 120 on his wall. And it took him 24 hours to charge his car every single day. And he calls me and says, hey, can you help me out? I'm trying to put a 220 in my home so that my car gets charged and I need an upgrade. And I said, let me go look at it. And, um, and his plug was a tiny little plug like this one. They would plug into the wall. And I'm like, wow. So I went in and I did the, where I changed out the, I put a brand new breaker, I mean, and I, I changed out a plug and I put a 220 volt and I get a phone call from him and he says, Noah, you won't believe it. My car charged in two hours. What took 24 hours now took two hours. I think that some of you guys right here is the brand new plug, and I'll show it to you. Um, <laughs> so much more power. He went from 120 to 220. So much better, so much bigger. And some of you guys might find yourself in this place right now. You're still living on 120, right? The Lord says, I've made you brand new, and you're still trying to plug into the old. And God's like, no, 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 I made you brand new. You could have 220 in your life. You could have power, authority, influence. Why? Because I'm on your side, and I live inside of you, and you're born again. And you have eternal life. What is eternal life? John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. It starts with relationship. It's always been about relationship. A God who came near that desires for you and I to have life and have it in abundance. He was full of grace and full of truth. So let's put it together in one sentence. Why does Christmas matter? Because God came near. He revealed himself, saved us, and adopted us into his family to demonstrate his love for us. And eternal life is knowing him, church. I don't know where you're at in your faith this morning, but there's a real relationship that you can experience with the Lord. I'm not talking about just showing up to a church service. I'm talking about a relationship where you get to experience God every single day. You guys know when you guys come to church and you feel that feeling inside and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I'm so motivated. God's like, I want you to have that every day. Not just when you come to a church service, as incredible as it is, you come, you worship, you express yourself, but I want you to know me and I wanna walk with you. It's about relationship. When you were forgiven of your sin, when, when you understand what Jesus did for you, that he came into this world, he walked as one of us, he died on a cross for forgiveness, it changes you. It gives you purpose. It gives you a brand new identity. 
If you're still living on 120, God says, step on over so I can empower your life. I could change you. If there is chaos in your life, he wants to bring order to it. Don't pass up the thing that seems so insignificant this morning. God says, come to me and I'll walk with you and I'll make you one of my own. I don't know where you're at in your faith. Maybe you're invited by a friend. Maybe you just randomly showed up or you've been coming for a while. But if you know Jesus, you would know because you can know him by experience. If you're watching online and you're not close to Jesus right now and you want a relationship with him, the way we do that is by drawing near to him. In James, the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's a promise. If you feel like you're at your worst, what does it say? It says, come to me and I will give you rest. You're not gonna try to, you're not gonna fix it on your own. Come to me. You're not gonna change on your own. You need me. And I wanna give us an opportunity this morning to reflect, where are you in your relationship with Jesus as we're anticipating what happened on that Christmas day that Jesus became human? Have you experienced that for yourself, that he has become very real, that he's still alive, that he wants relationship with you? If you haven't, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go to God in prayer. I'll pray over you. And then I'll lead you through that prayer. So, and if you're watching online, you can go ahead and text the word life to 77247 or go to crossroadschurch.family. But for those of us that are here in the building, let's go to God in prayer. Lord, I praise you and thank you for everyone that's here. I know, Lord, that you moved heaven and earth to save us, to be in relationship with us. May we not lose sight of Christmas being about that. I pray, God, um, for the people that came in here and uh, maybe their marriage is on the rocks or they have wayward kids or they're just not experience you in the way that you want them to, God. They're not in relationship with you. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would make yourself known and make yourself real. I pray for those that are hurting God that you would draw near and bring healing. Father, for those that have been just doing the church thing, or maybe have been hiding and living in darkness because they're afraid of what people might think, I pray, God, that they would find the freedom of being able to come forward and bring everything out to the light so that it could experience you and the freedom and the plan that you have for their life. Right now, with everyone's eyes closed, if you're right with God, do me a favor, pray for those around you. But if you don't know Jesus or if you need to come back to him or maybe you're in here and you've never been baptized by your own choice, what I wanna do is I wanna lead you through a prayer but I wanna know who's praying with me. Would you just raise your hand and let me know you're praying with me? Praise God for you and for you. Just raise your hand all over the building for you. All the way in the back, God sees you. Just raise your hand right where you're at. Praise God for you. Church, there's hands that been, have been raised all over the building, but we're a church family, amen? Let's let them know that they're not alone in this prayer. Let's pray this prayer out loud with them. Repeat these words after me. Say, Father God, I know that you love me. And I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. To forgive me of all my sin. And to heal me of all my hurt. Right now I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life that you have for me. I give you my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Let's praise God for all the decisions. Thanks again for joining us. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we hope you'll text AMEN to 77247 so we can provide you with the resources to help you on this journey. If this message resonated with you or you need prayer for something, would you let us know in the comments below? Our team reads every comment that comes through and we love interacting with you. If this message added value to your life, click the subscribe button and turn on post notifications so that you'll never miss out on a new message. We're live on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. right here online and Sundays at 9 a.m. and on demand anytime after that. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.